Welcome. Welcome to your Why worst Why did you let me do it? Because you're not good at it. What? Because you need me to do it. What did you just say? Okay, let's let's start a poll so for our audience mm -hmm. to choose who they prefer most. Okay, start the poll. Yeah, where? I have no Which idea. Platform? I think I think people should just send their votes to us telepathically. And we will both record the votes that we perceive that are sent to us via spirit. Yeah, and I'm going to go to BUV from tomorrow and ask thousand students. I've already perceived three votes. Wow. And no one's even listened to this. That's, isn't wow. that something? Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I didn't think that was possible, <laughs> but look at it. It, it happened. Well, you're lovable and I'm not. You mean you're not lovable? Yeah. Um, okay. If you say so. I would disagree with that, but maybe you're not. Maybe you've just been putting on a show for the last three years. <laughs> right. Something that's been on my mind, that I've, I've said this a lot, and uh, I thought it could potentially make a good conversation between the two of us. And so, if it's okay with you, Sana, I'm not going to talk too much, but I am going to talk enough so that we can lay the groundwork for our conversation today. Can we agree on that? Is that okay? Yes. Sweetness? Definitely, Maybe? it will go Love to the my nu life. Huh? nuclear. The gone nuclear? The gone nuclear. Okay, so this one will be on, on my portion of the feed. No, wait, wait, wait. If huh. I like it, I may steal it from you and put it on Book of Sana. Okay. Well, who uh, edits the show notes again? That would be me. So, <laughs> ultimately... If you don't have the loving support of your wife, your <laughs> editing will not happen. <laughs> I'm the gatekeeper of the podcast, honey. I'm the tax collector. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to show you the ropes. And one day, when you're big enough, you'll be able to have a show of your very own. But right now, I'm happy to assist you. Wow, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what has been on my mind? And this could go any number of directions, but I'm just going to start out with this. People, let's say that somebody goes through a traumatic event of some sort. It could be anything. It could be uh, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, uh, I don't know, an act of violence against them. It could be any number of things because life happens and life is full of things that are unpleasant. So we all go through traumatic events at some point. And let's say that you have friends who are well-meaning, who you trust, and you welcome their presence and their guidance, their counsel, and they say something along the lines of, you should see someone. Because they can see that you're going through something. You're trying to process this. You're having a difficult time um, processing everything going on by yourself. They can sense that something is wrong and that you need help. 
And so they'll say, you should see someone. Okay. Now that's in and of itself is good advice. But what I want to bring to this dialogue is why. Why would I see a therapist or a counselor or a pastor, whatever the case may be? Why? I mean, is it just you should see someone or is there a specific outcome that we would want to achieve or seek by seeing a therapist? And what I'm, what is influencing this thought of mine is that I see so many people just kind of coasting, drifting through life. They do things just because that's what you do. You come across this certain set of circumstances. You come to this certain crossroad in your life. And this is just what is expected of you to do it. So in the case of seeing a counselor or a therapist, are you doing it just because you feel like it's the thing to do? Or are you doing it because you want to seek a specific outcome and you have decided in order to achieve this outcome, then it would be wise to get advice, get counsel from this person. That's what I'm getting at. So that's the foundation of our dialogue today. You look like you have something to say. Well, I think before anyone actually seek help, they have to acknowledge that um, they need help and support. And in order to reach to that level that personally you acknowledge that, you have to, um, you know, see what are some of the circumstances and the pattern of um, reactions towards specific situation or incidents in life and um, try to see whether it actually helps this course of actions that you have taken and repeatedly you're doing it over and over and over again, uh, that should, you know, uh, ring a bell that there is something wrong because if people are sound minded when something happened really, and they give it a try first time, second time, and third time, and the outcome of it, it's not yet positive. They, they know that they have to change the course of action. And immediately they will take action. So I think the difference between a person who needs help, psychological or mental or whatever, consultancy, uh, advisor, than somebody who is in total control of their mind and they know what is happening and they can make right decision, is that they can read between the line and see through a critical you know, analysis, critical eye, uh, what happened how it was dealt with, and what was the outcome. So it's as simple as getting a paper and a note um, pen and start writing each time how you take care of it and compare. You cannot create a perfect situation. So that's how you do it. You put it on a scale and see the positive outcome and negative outcome. Which ones supersede? If the positive outcome supersede, continue the same way, the same manner, dealing with the situation or scenario. If not... Immediately stop, take another way, another, you know, um, uh, solution, another strategy, use that. So that's the first thing. 
And if it's already out of control, that's the time that one or an individual need to seek help, a supporter of some sort, you know. Um, so that first stage has to happen before the next stage come in. I am saying all this because personally, I believe every single human being on this earth have some sort of psychological issue. I mean, just think about it. When the whole idea of birth happening, when the child is, the fetus is con conceived in the womb and take comfort in the mother's womb. And after nine months, you force it out according to science and individual belief the human being that is born already faced the very first psychological issue, a trauma, the trauma of leaving the comfort zone in mother's womb, coming into a world that is, wow, you know, the whole idea of breathing oxygen, not in the womb, in a liquid, but in the flu, like fluid in the out there. And then all these stuff we inject our kids, milk, formula, milk, food. These are all the stages of the shock that the children go through. And when they reach to our age, 40, 46, like you, definitely we have bag full of traumas that we've been through. But it depends on the person how they're going to deal with these traumas. Okay. And how they're going to build up a bridge or a staircase to reach to a successful life. And I define successful life uh, as a survival kid, a survival kid for life. So every time they face a problem, they open the survival kit and use one tool out of it to fix it. Yeah. I think what you're saying is interesting because you're highlighting that we all go through trauma. We all go through things and I think I may have heard that analogy of being, you know, coming from the womb and going through the birth canal and being exposed to the natural elements. And that's like your first trauma. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because with, with every trauma, every hardship, we're building resilience. When, when we realize that we can get, we can, we survive this, we, you survive the birth, hopefully, in most cases, you do. Some some babies don't, which is sad. Uh, but when you survive that, well, you just get accustomed to realizing, well, if I can survive. You, ha you, you build up a survival mindset. What I'm getting at is um, when, you, when you go through something and it seems like it's more than you can handle with the skill set or the mindset, the thought patterns that you have at that moment. You realize I feel a little bit overwhelmed right now, and I feel like I should, I would benefit from talking to somebody. What I'm getting at is, do you talk to someone just because that's what you do, or do you have a specific outcome that you want, and you realize talking to someone is going to get me to this outcome? Because I'm the kind of guy who doesn't do things just because. I, I never do anything just because that's what the rest of the crowd is doing. I've always been a contrarian in that way. And even more so in the last few years as I've spread my wings as an entrepreneur, I, I don't do things just because that's the way you do it. I always need a reason to do things. So what I'm saying is if I'm going to, if I go through something 
and I'm going to uh, see somebody uh, to get some counsel, I have to have a specific reason to do so. Not just because someone says, well, you should see someone. Does that make sense? I do not like to share my life with anybody, even if I have any issues and problems, because I am a conscious person. And uh, deep down, I know what is right and wrong. Along the way, I do not make decisions to hurt anybody, especially those who are near and dear to me. And um, I, even if I meet a psychologist, I will never, ever share my private life because I think um, when you go through all your life and you get education and you try to learn as much as possible and to be a decent person and uh, you try to make things right in your life and other people's life, then you should be able you know, to handle crises and issues in your life too. Uh, other people have a lot of uh, opinion, but they are not living my life. They are not wearing my shoe. They are not walking in my steps. They can never, ever be able better than me to understand my situation, to be able to analyze it at first place. Whatever the rest of the gang will come and uh, convey to me is their opinion based on their experiences in their own life. And we are all two different people. We are all different beings. We cannot, you know, be the right judge in another person's life or what she or he is going through. But I think at some level, every human being needs intervention of somebody who is of a sound mind and not involved with very, very harsh circumstances or situations because... When things are out of hand and you basically give up exhaustion, the brain, human brain is just like a computer device. There is a power on and off. And when your power of your brain goes off, that's it. That means you reach to a point you cannot make decision, you cannot think anymore, and you just give up. That's the time you need something to be a leverage, to push you, to give you that hinge, right? To give you that push. Uh, that's where we need psychologists, counselors, and people like that. And to find those right professionals, it's a bit difficult today in the world. Um, there are many professional psychologists and people who are counselor and elderlies who actually, you know, understand that level and try to help people. Uh, but many uh, do not help. They actually add to the problem. Right. Okay, I, I, I get what you're saying. And another thing that I could compare our dialogue to is in the past, I don't have any students right now, but in the past I've had trumpet students. And uh, years ago I, I taught, so I had a few students in when I lived in North Carolina. Uh, people, have heard of, people had heard of me and they wanted their kids to take lessons. So they're, you know, maybe eighth, ninth graders, and you know how eighth graders are. They're not too sure of, of really anything at that point in their lives, for the most part. And so I would have the first lesson with the student, and I would say, okay, so what do you want to achieve? What, what, is, your, what is your goal? What do you want to accomplish with this? And they'd be like, uh-uh, uh, -uh. uh -uh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? So I'd be, okay, uh, well, why don't you play something, and then 
we'll have a frame of reference and we can identify some things that they want to, that that need to be done and the most productive sessions were when they would come and they had some sort of passage in their band class that they had a hard time with and they'd say i need help with this and i'd say okay good so let's break this down and it ended up being a really good lesson but the lessons were they just didn't have any plan at all and they were just relying on me to make the, basically make the plan for them they're not very productive and part of that is on the teacher to have to have a, a plan and uh, like objectives for the student to achieve and say this is what I think you should do do you think you want to go for this I think I, I get that and that part of that was an experience on my part but what I'm getting at is when you go into a situation where you're learning you're getting a music lesson or a counseling session, whatever the case may be, if you are able to just pinpoint what, at least at that moment, what you think you want to accomplish as a result of doing this, then that's a starting point. When you go into a situation like that and you say, well, I just feel like I need to talk to somebody. Okay, well, <laughs> what's what's a, a counselor going to do with that? Okay, okay, well, let's talk. It's nice weather out there, isn't it? Uh, how about them twins? How about them Vikings? And that's it. <laughs> so you just have to have the the more clarity you can have on what you want to accomplish with something, whatever you do, I think the better. Yeah, I do agree with you. But um, on other notes, you were talking about how you ask your student what you want to accomplish. And the student was like, F. If I ask my student, <laughs> my students say, uh, I will say, ooh, class dismissed. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, but you, t- you teach university students. So if, if, if I'm teaching an eighth grader and I get that response, then you're not just going to, that, that's, that's going to be traumatic for the eighth grader. They're going to want therapy, you know? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, but you know, in every class, beginning of the class, I make it clear. I, I tell the students, uh, okay, this is your time to ask me any question. But if you ask me a stupid question, I will, you will get stupid answers. Mm-hmm. So everybody is careful. And um, I think uh, you're right. Like uh, when you have to have a proper plan. Um, every teacher has a plan. But at the same time, uh, we cannot dictate our plan to the students because each student have different learning curve and nobody better than themselves know what they're good at and whether they're creative, whether they're more logical, whether they're good with numbers, whether they're good with poetries and, you know, all the stuff. We can just guide them. We can advise them. But the choice is theirs. They have to put one phone together and see what is best for them. But as a teacher, we can also create an environment that they are motivated to join the classes, motivated to continue, not to stop, to go on. What I want to get at is something that really drives me crazy is anything. People just do things just because that's what you do in this situation. And and there's not any really thought that goes into this decision. You know what I mean? People, most of the time, try to do things for the moment, they don't think about the future, what will be the outcome. They don't use their mind. They don't actually give it a thought. They just do it because they just think yeah. they think that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, there's the path of least resistance. But 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 at the same time, sometimes the path of most resistance is what people choose because that's just what you do. You buy a house. That's the American dream. And then 
two years later, you're like, what did I get myself into? And it may not have been the best decision at that moment for your personal finances. It could have been that renting was the thing for you to do, but you just said, well, home ownership, that's how you build your wealth. Owning a home is extremely expensive. And unless the, the, like the property and the land is going to increase in value exponentially, you're not going to make any money on it. So what I'm saying I, is... I don't know what's happening in America, but when I was 20 years old, I didn't really go after American dream. Right. That was not an American dream. It was wait, wait, wait. given the so proper thought. An Iranian girl was not pursuing the American dream? I can't believe it. Why do I have to do... Uh, what does American dream actually mean? Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> it's a poof talk. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> so I just gave it a thought and then I used my brain and I thought uh, investing into property and land is the best thing. And um, I never regret because right. I have first and testimony about... Yeah, but and if you have uh, mortgages that are really hefty, mm -hmm. you better bear it because when you are 35, 40 in your life, you will not regret it because you can actually, you know, you have something on your backbone that can keep you straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there's, it's not like it's inherently the wrong decision. It's just that it might not be the best decision for you, but you do it anyway, just because that's what you do and you don't give any, you don't put any thought into it. You just do it just because. Right. They yeah. don't do it carefully and plan. Yeah. And, and then so um, cunning marketers in the home loan industry, they sell this idea of home ownership is the ultimate way to build wealth. And, and so they, you create the situation where everybody's borrowing and the, as a result, the money supply is inflating. And then you have a crash, like what happened in 2008, where how people all of a sudden had $500,000 in debt on a home that was all of a sudden worth $200,000. So it's not I'm, not, I'm not saying this so that I can say that I think that home ownership is a bad idea. I'm just saying do it for the right reasons. Have a reason for doing it. Don't do it just because that's what you do. That's what I'm saying. Same with going to college. You could go to college if it makes sense, but don't do it just because that's what you do after high school. It's not necessarily what you do after high school. Right. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to look for this uh, insurance company or financial <clears throat> intermediary mm -hmm. in U.S. Um, I actually talked about this case on a module I teach, Introduction to Business Management. Mm -hmm. You should help me. You should know the name of this company. They actually allegedly allowed all the Americans who didn't really have a good saving and jobs. Uh, they uh, made them eligible to get loans to buy houses, cars and everything. Mm -hmm. And then they couldn't pay back. <laughs> well, and they went and they got their houses. They got their cars. Everybody was in disaster. Which company was that? I forgot. Well, you're, you're talking about like the early 2000s? Um, I think it was. Uh, well, there was Fannie Mae. There was Freddie Mac. There was Bear Stearns. Basically, the entire banking industry was. Exactly. But there is this one top one. The CEO was involved. Oh. And then I was discussing it with the students, asking them, why do you think the whole American just believed this company? 
do you think all the Americans are stupid? And everybody was like, yeah, probably they were lower class and they wanted money and they just got it. And I said, no, they were not stupid because the main player and actor of this fraud was the CEO of a company and everybody trusted him. A CEO of a company linked to a government, everybody think that, oh, treasury bonds or something that is linked to the government, they zero risk. They're not going to lose their money, their properties, their wealth. And that's why they got the whole America to buy that idea. But everybody fell into trouble. Well, what got people into trouble is they just did things just without thinking about it, just because it seemed like a good idea because everybody else was doing it. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, but I'm happy my husband is not like that. My husband uh, thinks I am his counselor. He, anytime he needs me, he just pick up the phone and call me and say, sweetness, mm -hmm. I need you. I need to run this by you. I'm thinking about this, that, uh, eh, uh. and then we talk for like exactly 30 seconds, mm -hmm. fine. After that, we'll be pulling hair, throwing <laughs> shoes at each other, and finally... He will do what he wants to do. Oh, please. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I will say that uh, having a wise woman in your corner that you can go to and say and just run things by her is invaluable. In Basically, valuable. run run things by her and she will run after you. <laughs> yeah, she'll run after me. <laughs> throwing her shoes at me <laughs> no run after no, your I, idea <laughs> no, I have personally experienced uh, being in a marriage situation where I could not share anything without it coming back to me in the form of an accusation of some sort uh, and I see other marriages where people are, are just on edge and having a woman who has some walking around sense and who's been around the world and has some real wisdom that I can share things and rely on for sound counsel is invaluable. That's why I, I, when, I, when we first met, I don't know what it was inside of me. It was just my gut saying, this is a keeper. You have to do everything you can to make this woman your wife. Well, honey, I, I have... The same feeling, likewise. You're a good man, and there is no doubt about it. You have showed me multiple times, mm -hmm. and um, to the extent that I don't really need to see it. I know it already. Mm. It's, it's a treasure to have a woman that you trust and you can confide in and trust to give good advice. Well, I think it's my turn to do the call to action, Sana. Is it okay with you? All right, you have... Well, you've been listening to the Bavosh Don podcast with James and Sana. I'm James, and this is Sana. And we are glad that you have tuned in. This is part of the Gone Nuclear series of our show. Actually, let's just make this like not yours, not mine. It's just our show, our together offering. Eventually, Sana will get her sea legs under her, and she'll be able to do her own episodes of the Book of Sana. Until that happens, I will be lovingly guiding her through the process, helping her, holding her hand every step of the way. But eventually you will hear Sana just going solo. And then you can hear myself sharing 
things that are on my mind in the gun nuclear section of this podcast feed. If you want to know more about us, type in jamesinsana.com in your browser. That will redirect to a page on our website, JNS Media. And if you're interested in learning more about our podcast production and education services with the banner GSD Network, Getting Stuff Done, then check us out on the web at gsd.network. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and we will be in your earballs very soon.